Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Just changing direction a little bit from the last few weeks. As I was preparing this week, I really felt the Lord wanted us to look at the life of King Saul for a few weeks. And so if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel 13. Saul had only been king for two years. And though he would serve for another 42 years, another 40 years, this marked the beginning of the end for him. Now Saul was facing a critical crisis, and we face crisis as well. And we're going to learn from the bad example of King Saul what not to do. Sometimes we learn what to do, sometimes we learn what not to do. So look with me at 1 Samuel 13 verse 1. Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned over Israel 42 years. And Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel, 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah in Benjamin. And the rest of the men he sent back to their homes. And Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba. And the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news, Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers. If you do the math, that's two per chariot. And soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And they went up and camped at Michmash, East of Beth Avon. And when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among rocks and in pits and cisterns. And some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. And just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. This was a great test of King Saul and his character. He comes up against the Philistines who were a perennial enemy of Israel. The greatest test of our character and commitment to the Lord usually comes in times of crisis. Everyone will go through these times. Times of of adversity and hardship and difficulty in their lives. And how we respond to the crisis and the trials of life 
will determine what kind of life we're going to live and what kind of people we're going to be. So this morning, number one, I want to talk about the cause of crises. We see in this text several different circumstances that took place that caused the crisis to escalate. And so we're going to just look at three of them. There are many causes of crises in life, but let's look at three we find here in this text. Letter A, doing God's will. Do you realize you can be doing God's will and crisis can still come into your life? Now this may sound odd, but it's true. Saul had done the will of God. In 1 Samuel 9, 16, God said that Saul would deliver his people from the Philistines. He would be the king that would drive them out. Ultimately, it wasn't Saul, but it would be David. And so Saul's son, Jonathan, was just fulfilling the mandate by attacking the Philistine outpost of Geba. He was doing the right thing. God had told him, drive out the Philistines from the promised land. And so Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul, was, was incredibly courageous and brave and loved the Lord. Jonathan was a, a, a high character person. Sometimes crisis comes into our lives even when we're doing the right thing. And problems do not necessarily mean you're doing something wrong. Crises can come even when we're doing God's will. And this is what frustrates us and confuses us. God, I haven't, what did I do wrong? Why are these bad things coming in my life? Why am I going through this trouble? We immediately begin to wonder and question God, what, what did we do wrong? And the reality is, is trials and tribulations are just a part of the Christian life. When I started fishing a few years ago, getting back into it, I was raised as a kid. We fished all the time because my mom was an expert fisherman. She would get her limit, and we would sometimes not catch anything, but she just had a knack. And so a few years ago, I needed some relaxation. I needed, some, I needed a hobby, bless God. So I chose fishing. And when I started fishing, I, I, I had a problem. I could not stand the smell of fish on your hands. Anybody with me? I mean, because, you know, you, no matter what you do, you got to grab that slimy thing at some point to get it out of the water or to clean it or to, you know. And so I just, I would smell my hands. Oh, man, the, that fish smell. It's so nasty and I couldn't stand it. So I did what all of us do. I went on the Internet. I went online to find some remedies. And listen to some of these remedies. Ketchup. Coffee grounds, baking soda, not all at the same time. These are individual remedies. <laughs> Toothpaste, saltine crackers, cilantro. I don't like the smell of cilantro any better than fish. <laughs> or even lemon and vinegar. However, the best advice I found was a guy that said, just get used to it. <laughs> I tried all those remedies. I tried the stainless steel soap bar. I tried everything. The best thing I finally did is just accept it as part of life. And you know what? It didn't bother me anymore after that. It still reeked, but it was a pleasant reek. Instead of fighting against it all the time, we might just need to accept that problems are just a part of life. Like I said, we, a trial comes in and it's like, oh no, why, why is this happening? It's life. It's part of living in a fallen world. 
We just have to get used to it because the more we can accept it, the better we will feel. Because we know as Christians, all of our problems have a purpose. God is doing something. He's working. As we just say, God is always working. And how would we know how to overcome if we didn't have issues to overcome? How would we know that God is a mighty warrior if we didn't have any battles? And so I'm telling you, it's in these problems that we can get to know God better than we ever have before. There's purpose in these problems. There's purpose in these challenges. And it's, it's difficult for us because we may be doing the Lord's will and the right thing and still experience hardship and difficulty. In fact, Jesus guaranteed it. Look at John 16, 33. Jesus says these words, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Do you see the contrast there? In Jesus you'll have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know this scripture, but we need to, we need to meditate on this scripture. We need to proclaim this scripture. In Jesus we have peace. Yes, in the world we'll have trouble. So as long as we're in the world, there'll be times of trouble. But in that trouble, if we'll go to Jesus, we will find peace because he overcame the world. He conquered death and the grave. He died on that cross for you and me to forgive us of our sins. And he rose from the dead and he's coming again. And so all of that truth should change our outlook that, you know what, these problems aren't that big because God is. I love this same passage in the Amplified Bible. I encourage you to, as you study your Bible, to look at different translations and it'll speak to you. In John 16, 33, in the Amplified, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, wow, really expanded on that trouble thing. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Wow, that fires me up. So crisis comes in our life often because it's just a part of life. It's part of living in this fallen world. But we can take heart because we know Jesus wins in the end. Just like we know the Bengals will win today. I'm sorry, I'm trying to root for the Rams, but they're in the same division. You got to forgive me. Don't, don't go to Vegas on my word though, okay? Uh, no bets set for Pastor James. And so sometimes crises comes because of life, and sometimes crises comes because of us. I know for a fact there have been times in my life when I made a decision or I panicked or I made a decision under duress or I got, tried to get out ahead of God and tried to help him along. And there are times because of those decisions that we're gonna see because of reaction to crisis that I reacted the wrong way and just made crisis worse or have manufactured crisis in my life. I remember a couple one time, they were going through 
very serious marital problems. And so they said, they decided to have a baby. Yeah, that cures everything. And so sometimes we, we have problems of our own doing. I know that this is a challenge, but life has enough problems on its own without us manufacturing more of them. Sometimes God allows a crisis to get our attention. Remember, God will, all things work together for good. God has a purpose in everything. Even the bad things work together for good for those who love God. But sometimes God allows a crisis in our lives because he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to wake us up. There was a farmer who had three sons, Jim, John, and Sam. No one in the family ever attended church or had time for God. The pastor and the others in the church tried for years to interest the family in the things of God to no avail. Then one day, Sam was bitten by a rattlesnake. The doctor was called and he did all he could to help Sam, but the outlook for Sam's recovery was very dim indeed. So the pastor was called. That's what happens when you run out of options. Call the pastor. Pastor was called and apprised of the situation and the pastor arrived and began to pray as follows. Here's the pastor's prayer. O wise and righteous Father, we thank thee that in thine wisdom... Thou didst send this rattlesnake to bite Sam. He has never been inside the church, and it's doubtful that he has in all this time ever prayed or even acknowledged thine existence. Now we trust that this experience will be a valuable lesson to Sam and will lead to genuine repentance. And now, O oh Father, wilt thou send another rattlesnake to bite Jim and another to bite John and another really big one to bite the old man? For years we have done everything we know to get them to turn to thee, but all in vain. And it seems, therefore, that what all our combined efforts could not do, this rattlesnake has done. We thus conclude that the only thing that will do this family any real good is rattlesnakes. So, Lord, send us bigger and better rattlesnakes. Amen. You have no idea how I've longed to pray that prayer. Now... Some of you who aren't aware of what it means to be a Pentecostal church wondered when you came in here if there'd be rattlesnakes. <laughs> We're not that kind of Pentecostal. We use scorpions instead. <laughs> Sometimes it takes bigger and better crises to get our attention. God's trying to knock on our door. Another cause of crisis, letter B, is conflict with others. Jonathan had sought to do the Lord's will by taking the Philistine outpost at Geba. He was, like I said, he was just doing God's will. But in so doing, how many know he poked the bear? He stirred up a hornet's nest. Can you think of any other metaphor? Jonathan did the right thing, but it created a great response. And we should always do the right thing, even if not everyone is pleased what we will do. Some will become angry. The Philistines responded to Jonathan's conquest of their outpost by mustering their own army. And the word went out throughout Israel that Saul had caused Israel to become a stench to the Philistines. 
That's, that's what the word means, odious, stench. Now, when I was about nine years old, my sister went off to college. So I wanted to give her something to remember me by. Therefore, right before she left, and unbeknownst to her, I took one of my stinkiest, crustiest, nastiest socks that I had worn for several days straight, so much so that it was stiff and crunchy and thoroughly reeking. And I stuffed it in her suitcase at the bottom. And when she got to college, its odious essence had permeated all her clothes and its vile vapors proceeded to smell up her apartment. She couldn't figure out what was going on, what was causing the stench, and something died in the apartment. And then she found my heartfelt memento in her suitcase. And guess what? It worked. She has never forgotten it. Now, some of you wonder if my stories are true. My sister is here today, and she can verify that story. At least one of them's true. That's, we can verify that. And like my sock that was stiff as a board, Saul had become a stench to the Philistines. As a result, Saul even came under attack by his own people. We should not be surprised when we come under attack by the enemy when we do the Lord's will. Satan does not roll over. He does not want you doing God's will. He'll try to stop you from doing God's will. He'll try to bring problems into your life to keep you from doing God's will. We will face opposition when we seek to do the Lord's will. Paul said that in, in the book of Acts that he had a great opportunity and great resistance at the same time. There were many who were against him, but it was an opportunity from the Lord. When we, get, when we start getting serious with God, Satan takes notice. If we'll just be lukewarm and not, not really seek the Lord with all our heart, he'll pretty much leave us alone for the most part. It's when we want to be on fire for God. When we really want to serve the Lord that he takes notice, we become a threat. And not only does Satan come against us, sometimes people will question your decisions and motives based on your circumstances. You can't worry about what some people may think of you. We must make decisions based upon what God thinks of us, right? I mean, that's who, who we want to please. We can't please man, but we can please God. Another cause of crisis, letter C, is severe stress. Saul's army had become severely distressed. You know what? I love the Bible because it has answers for every part of life. God knew that in 20, what is it? 2022, I don't even know what year it is. It's, oh man, just a fog. But God knew in 2022 that we would be stressed. And therefore, we have this great story in the Bible to give us encouragement and comfort. Saul's army had become severely distressed because Israel was outnumbered. Saul started off with 3,000, ended up with just 600, and the Philistines had thousands of soldiers. Philistines had 3,000 chariots. Israel had none. Chariot was like the tank of the day. I mean, it was when, when an army had chariots, they had an advantage. The Philistines had swords and spears. Israel had bows and slingshots, outgunned. Their situation was critical and their army was hard-pressed. The word critical 
in the Hebrew means a narrow and tight place, dire straits, distress. It is the feeling of dismay arising from a stressful situation. You ever had that anxiety in your chest? Feels like somebody's giving you a bear hug and you don't want it. The tightness in your chest, that's what this word means. This is what it, it means to be in a critical place. You're hard pressed. You're being squeezed like a tube of toothpaste to get the fish smell off your hands. Hard pressed in the Hebrew means to oppress, to exert demanding pressure, to harass, to put under duress and stress. You may be in a tight place. You may be being squeezed today. You may be under duress. And I want you to know that Jesus understands. Everything we've gone through, every temptation we have ever endured, Jesus has experienced. And we can take comfort from this because not only did he go through him, through them, he overcame them. He was tempted in every way but did not sin. That gives us hope. He went through every sorrow. And so he can minister to us. Look at Isaiah 53, 7. This was speaking of, prophetically, of Jesus. He was oppressed, same Hebrew word, and afflicted. And yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And we know this because Jesus was entrusting himself to his Father. Crisis can make us feel overwhelmed, under pressure and stressed out. Sometimes we feel outnumbered and outgunned. But how we respond to being hard-pressed will indicate the level of trust and faith we have in Christ. I'm, I'm telling you, the real test of your faith is when it's put to the fire. Then you find out, oh, wow, I guess I'm struggling in that area. I guess I need to have the Lord increase my faith there. But it's the only way to make our faith pure and stronger is to put it to the fire. So we've seen the cause of crisis, three causes. Let's look at the wrong reaction. Sometimes this is our reaction to crisis. Letter A, some go into hiding. Some of the soldiers hid in caves and thickets, in the thorn bushes among the rocks and the pits and the cisterns. They were hiding. And when stress and crisis come into our lives, some of us go into hiding. We retreat into emotional caves and thickets. We cower behind rocks of rejection and anger. We sink into the pits of depression and despair. So sometimes when we face a crisis, we are tempted to just get out of Dodge, just run, go into hiding, and let her be, some run away. So some soldiers were hiding in the weeds, in the thorn bushes. They were hiding in wells. Those are cisterns that hold water. They were hiding in caves and the rocks. But others ran away. Some soldiers literally deserted. They deserted and crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. They went, they went south. And the way some of us respond to crisis is by running away. 
We've all done this. We've all hidden at times, you know, try to find your happy place, curl in a ball and suck your thumb. Or sometimes we're like, I just got to get out of here. And what's amazing is sometimes we run from our problems only to run into them. Because sometimes the problem is us. And you can't run from yourself. And, all, and, and so we may abandon our responsibilities. We may flee from our commitments. We may just run away and let someone else clean up the mess. Another wrong reaction to crisis is, let her see, some quake with fear. All the troops that stayed with Saul, and there wasn't very many of them, they were literally shaking, trembling, and quaking with fear. I mean, think about that. Here's your, here's your army of 600 against thousands, and all your men are quaking with fear. Some don't hide or run away. We just stand there scared to death because fear paralyzes. I want you to understand fear is not from the Lord. Now, we are to fear the Lord, but that's a reverence. That's a worshipful experience and respect. But God, in fact, God only wants us to fear him. He doesn't want us to be afraid of anything else or anyone else. We should not fear man. We should not fear Satan. We should only fear God. And if you fear God, you won't fear anything else. In fact, sometimes a sign uh, that, that we've got a weakness in our fear of the Lord is that we're afraid in another area of our life. We're afraid God won't come through. We're afraid of what's going to happen, which shows that there's something lacking in our relationship with the Lord. God does, over, I've told you before, 365 times it says, do not fear in the Bible. One for every day. Fear paralyzes us, and God does not want us responding to crisis with hiding or running or fear. He wants us to stand firm with faith. The key to overcoming crisis we will see has to do with fear. How did Saul respond? He, he made decisions out of fear. And the key to conquering fear is obedience. This is the key. And we see this promise from the Lord in Leviticus chapter 26. The people were told, if you will only obey God, he will bless you. And so in these words, verse 3, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season and the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until planting and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. And verse six, I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. This is the same Hebrew word for quaking with fear. If we follow his decrees and follow his commands, guess what? He will give us peace. And no one or no thing will make us tremble with fear. Obedience and following the Lord's command, as we're going to see. Because Saul had a way of doing things incompletely. How many of you know that partial obedience is disobedience? If we only kind of halfway obey or, you know, 
kind of do what God's called us to, but not everything he's called us to. We will see that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come at this time. We're going to pause right there. We'll pick up next week, Lord willing, and the saints don't rise. Would you bow your heads with me today? We're going to sing a worship song. We're just going to take our time today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just like to ask, if you're facing a crisis, if you're in conflict, are you feeling just so much stress? Are you in hiding? Have you tried to run from your problems or are you quaking with fear? If that spoke to your heart, would you just slip up your hand to the Lord and write back down because I just want to pray for you. Lord, you saw those hands. There are people dealing with problems, difficulties, challenges. And Lord, we're overwhelmed. We are afraid how this is going to turn out. Lord, we feel paralyzed. We're tempted to run away and, and hide. But God, I pray that you would give us strength and the faith we need to stand. Father, we just help us through this crisis, this conflict, and bring us through the other side victorious. In Jesus' name. I'm going to dismiss in just a few moments. The elders are going to come forward, and if you need prayer, they're here to pray with you. If you're going through a crisis, you want someone to stand with you, or you can kneel at the altars and just have a private time with God. But if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do it today. All you have to do is come down and, and speak with one of these elders and they will lead you to a saving knowledge of Christ. Your sins will be forgiven. Heaven will be your destiny. So if you have not given your life to the Lord, you need to today. There's, we're not prom promised tomorrow. And if you need prayer for any situation, a healing, a physical challenge, whatever it may be, our elders are here to stand with you. Just ask you to keep your conversation to the foyer because we're going to continue to worship the Lord, those that would like to just bask in the Lord's presence. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. You're free to go. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.